Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Well, good morning, New Life. How are we doing? Amazing. Can I, can I just say before I start, Russ said something really funny when um, he was blessing Dave. And he said, um, with Dave's construction business, um, we know it's going to go through the roof. And, and I really hope it doesn't. Like, you know, just, just practically, that would be a bit of a nightmare. Uh, I just needed to open with that because, um, you know, I'm getting older now, ripe old age of 23. Like, the, the, you know, I feel like before, like, adulthood really kicks in, the dad jokes are already going around my head. Um, I'm growing into it, all right? Um, so... Oh dear, it's a real privilege to be with you this morning. It's, it's great to see you all. Um, and I want to um, also bring greetings for, from New Life Youth. If you are part of NLY in any way, it's great to see you this morning. Look, can we give the NLY group a massive round of applause? You are so welcome here. And uh, one thing that we are trying to do as New Life Youth is we're trying to build not just a club that people go to, but we're trying to build a community of young people who care deeply about one another, and we help each other follow Jesus. And it's all about that. It's all about helping young people become the people that God has made them to be. So if you see a young person that you've never spoken to before, you've never seen them before, maybe they've been around church for a while and you've just never spoken, go up to them, say hi, um, you know, introduce yourself. Let, let's start building connections within our church family. Equally, if you're a young person in youth, I expect you to do the same, because I know that you can do it on a Friday night. So um, I'm really excited to see what God does in our church family because he's always doing something new he's always doing something amazing and and when it comes to to building up generations of people who are going to see transformation in their lives in their families in their friendships in their schools and colleges i really believe that god's going to do something amazing this generation is not one to to overlook this generation of young people come on they're, they're gonna do amazing things and and i want to speak that over them right now if you're in the room if you're watching online um God's got amazing plans for you, just as he's got the same plans, same amazing plans as, as everyone else, however old we are, because God doesn't water down his presence for people depending on their age. God has got his plans for you right now, and all you need to say is yes. And also, on Friday, we had five decisions to follow Jesus, which is amazing, you know, come on. That, that's five decisions where people have said yes to Jesus. This is a turning point moment in my life, and I'm, and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to leave this behind, and I'm going to chase after Jesus. So uh, if you see young people this morning, if you're maybe not young, um, then please, please invite them <laughs> into the church family. And I, I'm old too. I've got young people born in 2008. How mad is that? I know. I started coming to youth in 2010. Um, so anyway, moving swiftly on, uh, I'm getting married next week. Come on, come on. Um, wow, that was a bigger cheer than I expected. Uh, so Becca, I'm really excited to marry you, and we're going to have a great day. And also, if you would like to be there, Saturday, the 23rd of October, right here at 11 a.m. Please get there a little bit before, because I don't want you to arrive at the same time as Becca. So maybe like half ten. Um, we're going to have a great time, and it wouldn't be the same without you. So if you can be there, please be there. Um, yeah, it would be so good to see you on our wedding day. Now, we've got a lot to go through today as we start this new series called This Same Jesus. So I'm going to get right into the message. We're going to look, as Dan said earlier, about a common set of words or a prayer um, or, a, or a set of phrases that Christians and followers of Jesus have said for a long time. Christ has died. Christ is risen. 
Christ will come again. And it's my job today to address um, the, the light-hearted topic of Christ has died. Um, and th- don't worry, it, it's going to be all right. Okay, it's going to be okay. There, there is a lot to cover today, and I promise not to steal the thunder of weeks two and three. Um, because, you know, it's, it's very easy to talk about the resurrection of Jesus when you talk about the death of Jesus. But um, we all know that it doesn't end with the death of Jesus. Can, can I just clarify that right at the start? Right, Jesus dying, it doesn't end there. There is so much good news after that, but there's so much that we can learn from as we look about how Jesus died and what he died for. So, as I just said, it's so easy to talk about the resurrection of Jesus straight after you talk about the death of Jesus. Like, oh, Jesus died, but it's okay because he rose again. It's, it's okay uh, because the, the good stuff happens next. And I think if we only ever talk about the death of Jesus so that we can make the resurrection of Jesus sound even better, I think we're missing the point. We're missing the point because Jesus died for a purpose. But it's easy because as, as new life, we're, we're resurrection people, right? We believe in new life, resurrection mindset. So sometimes we can, you know, we can forgive ourselves for only really focusing on the resurrection. But today, I really think that if, if, we, if we overlook the death of Jesus, if we overlook what that means for us, what that means for us going forward, I really do think that we miss out. I, do, I, I really think that we will miss the point of why Jesus died. It's really important, the death of Jesus. And hopefully, as we go through this message today, we will get a bit closer to understanding why that is. Now, today will just be another Sunday, just another Sunday, if you let it, okay? This, this Sunday message, this Sunday service, this time together as community will just be another Sunday if we allow it to be another Sunday. So I, I, I would ask a few things of you this morning. Is that all right? So you can work with me. There's a few things that I need from you and we're going to work together. So the first thing is expect to encounter God. Okay? This morning, what I need from you is an expectation to encounter God. You're not too young. You're not too old. You're not too this or too that. God is here for you right now, and we need to be people who have our eyes fixed on him. This is a moment where you can encounter God. Don't let it just be another Sunday. Expect to encounter God. Let's never get tired of meeting with God. Let's, let's take notes. Let's engage with what God is saying to us today because he's always speaking. The next thing that I would love it if you could help me with is be open to transformation. Be open to transformation. We believe that God is doing a new thing. He, he's, he's doing something fresh. Let's not miss out on that. Let's be open to transformation. If, if you hear something this morning and you need to spend weeks or months or even years trying to get over that because God is trying to work something out in you, be open to that. Be open to taking the next step towards Jesus. The last thing that I would uh, ask of you this morning is treat this message as though it's for you because it's for you. Okay? Treat this message as though it's for you because it's for you. It's for me too. Okay? Some of the stuff that I've been you know, preparing this week, it's blown my mind. And I'm still trying to get over the love of God. I'm still trying to get over um, how good he has been, how, how, how good the Bible says he is, and how good my experience tells me so. And I don't think I'm ever going to get over it. But one thing I do ask of all of us today is if we treat this message like it's for you, because it's for you. Is that okay? Awesome. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Bible. 
Um, so yeah, if you want to close your eyes, feel free to. Um, Father God, I thank you that you are with us this morning. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are always speaking to us. And I pray that today we wouldn't allow it to be another day, just another day. But we would set our eyes on you, focus on you, and that you would do something in us that makes sure that we are never the same again. Change us on the inside for the better. Be with us this morning. Speak to us, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. So if you've got a Bible, whether it be phone, tablet, or paper Bible, um, please open to John chapter 19. And we're going to read a a few short sections. Um, The words are also going to come up on the screen. Um, So I'm just going to give a few seconds just in case anybody wants to find it on their own Bible. And it's John chapter 19. And we're going to start around verse 16. And uh, this is what it says. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There, they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And then we fast forward to verse 28, and it says, and by this point, Jesus has been on the cross for a while. He's endured quite a lot here. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. See, Jesus goes through some horrendous pain and suffering, like serious pain. Like the the Roman uh, authorities pretty good at making sure that people like died well if they you know if they were going to get executed and Jesus was exactly the same he endured so much turmoil so much pain and and I would encourage you to to read the wider story I don't have enough time to go through the whole thing today but please do that because it will really put it into perspective what Jesus did on that cross and leading up to it but not just the cross caused Jesus pain more than the cross caused Jesus pain people that at the start of the week who were cheering Hosanna and saying, Jesus, we think you're amazing, were then cheering for his death. Some of the people, uh, you know, I I guess they they were following the crowd, but some people, man, the pain that they caused by turning away from Jesus. I can't quite get my head around it. Jesus, the Son of God, comes to die a sinner's death. We've got a lot to go through this morning. So again, in your own time or in your small groups or both, please read more around this. Please read the full stories because it shows you so much about what Jesus went through. But as we've just read a little bit about Jesus' death, it says some important words, and we're going to come back to that a little bit later. But I want to start with the most obvious question you could possibly think of in this topic. Why did Jesus die? Because Jesus died, and, and in no account in the Bible, does it really show Jesus putting up a fight? He was ready. He, he, you know, he's like, okay, well, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. He didn't really put up a fight, but for what reason? Because I'm pretty sure if someone said to you, I'm going to kill you, you'd probably put up a fight. You'd probably run away, right? So Jesus, there must have been something in his mind, something stirring up in his spirit that says, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to put up a fight. But is God just crazy? Would God just send Jesus to the cross because he's a bit of a maniac? That's a question that a lot of people who don't know Jesus ask. If Jesus died for us, why couldn't God just make it all okay? 
does God just get a thrill out of pain and suffering? And I don't think he does. But lots of people ask questions like that. But what we do now is that there's a purpose behind the death of Jesus. Before Jesus dies and before he rises again, he says, it is finished. That means that before the resurrection, there's a purpose to this death. There's a purpose to the death that Jesus died. So we need to delve into that a little bit deeper. And maybe we can answer the question that I've just asked before that. Why did Jesus die? Maybe the stuff that we go through will help us with that. Because there's clearly a purpose to why he died. We just need to find out what that is. But when Jesus says, it is finished, I think that adds so much significance to his death that sometimes we actually don't give it enough credit. Something happens in that moment, and my hope is that we as a church can understand a bit more about what that's, what that's about. But the, but the burning question on my lips is, couldn't God just snap his fingers so that things would all be okay? You know, wouldn't that be much nicer? Like, no, no, one, no one's hurting. It's all good. Jesus, you know, you don't need to die. It's all right. Just, just come back. And, um, and we're all okay. Sin is forgiven, and we're in good relationship with God. Now, that is the question that I, I always come back to in this topic. But here's something that we need to realize. Forgiveness is always costly. Forgiveness is always costly. Let's say someone, let's say you, wherever you are, want to borrow my guitar for a week. And I like my guitar. It's a nice guitar. It's something that I, I uh, invested in as a student. It makes me happy. Um, I've spent many hours on that guitar. Now, if anything bad happened to my guitar, I'd be a little bit upset. All right, I, I'm going to be real with you. I'd be a little bit upset. Um, but you ask me, because we're best friends, can I borrow your guitar? And I say yes, but only because I trust you. And I wouldn't say yes to anyone else. And don't tell the person next to you, right? But I say yes to you because I trust you. Anyway, it turns out that you get angry one day. You smash my guitar into about 15, 20 pieces. It was the nearest thing to you when, when you were angry. And you come back to me the next day, upset, apologetic. You've broken my guitar, and I'm, and I'm upset, right? You've hurt my feelings. You've hurt my guitar. I'm upset. Now, because I'm a nice, forgiving guy, I'm, I'm humble too. <laughs> I take pity on you, and I say, it's all right. You're forgiven. It's okay. You, you don't need to worry about this anymore. There's no debt for you to pay. There's no burden for you to carry. You can get on with your life. Now, you are forgiven, yes, but the cost doesn't disappear. You just don't have to carry it anymore, okay? So, so when it comes to our sin, maybe we can start thinking about it like that. Because you don't have to pay for my guitar anymore. I've got to pay it, but you're forgiven, Let's, let's kind of forget about the money side of it. Let's say one day you decide to write some things about me on social media, and they're not very nice. And it ends up going to local press, and my reputation ends up getting dragged through the mud. Now, I confront you. I ask you, come on, what's going on? And you're really sorry. You're really sorry for hurting my feelings and for making everyone else dislike me. You ask for forgiveness, and again, because I'm nice and humble, I forgive you. You're forgiven. The burden is not yours to carry anymore. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Now, the burden's on me. So if I forgive you for that, that means that now I have to make a choice not to bring it up with you every single time we're together. I have to pick up the pieces maybe with the people who have got a wrong view about me. 
I've got to pick up those pieces. And that's the thing about forgiveness and sin. Like, you are forgiven, I am forgiven, but the cost doesn't just magically disappear. It just isn't carried by us anymore. So then when we ask the question, why didn't God just snap his fingers and we're forgiven and we can just move on with our lives? It's not that simple. Because the thing about sin is it separates us from God. It separates us from God. And that's enough of a reason for God to want to deal with it. Because he wants to be close to us. You see, right at the start of the Bible, in the book of, in the book of Genesis, God creates people. And there's an image of closeness. God doesn't want to be distant from us. And if there's something that gets in the way of our relationship with God, that closeness, God wants to do something about that. In fact, it's not that God just doesn't like sin. He really hates sin. Because it gets in the way between us and him. How could he like sin? So we look at Jesus dying on the cross. And in reality, it's the only way. It's the ultimate act of forgiveness. It's the only way to remove the barrier between us and God. It's for God to deal with it himself. And here's why. Humans, just like you and me, have a track record of getting things really, really wrong. Okay? Put, put your hand up if you have done something this week that you're like, oh, made a mistake there. Like, it, it doesn't have to be anything like big. Like, you, you might have spilt your coffee and thought, oh, that's not good, right? If you've done something this week and you think, oh, that was a bit of a mistake, um, right? If, if you've not got your hand up, you're lying, all right? Because we all, we've all done something this week. Now, from the beginning of humanity, we as people have made decisions and choices that separate us from God because of the burden that it puts on us. We do something, and it separates us from God, and it becomes a debt that we can't pay. Now, I'm not talking about the times where we spill our coffee, or we make small mistakes or slip-ups, because sometimes, especially in churches, you know, that are a resurrection mindset, and, and we, we love the life that, that God brings to us, sometimes we forget about the impact of our sin, and we just refer to sin as something, you know, it's just a little thing that I've done, and it's okay, I'll be back tomorrow. No, sin is an intentional decision to turn away from God. Sin is something that puts a barrier between us. You know, when, when we say, Jesus, I'm, I'm all in for you, and then our lifestyle says otherwise. That's not a slip up. That's the impact of sin. It takes us away from God. See, we might know the love that God has for us. We might have it all in our heads, but... And we might even want to follow him, but if our actions say otherwise, and we make it all about us, and we chase things that we want, and, and things that often aren't very good for us, and we do it again and again and again, that puts a barrier between us and God. As I said just a few minutes ago, we've all done stuff this week, big or small, where you've felt really bad about what you've done, or what you've said, or what you've thought. You've done something that you know that you shouldn't have done. I know I have many times this week, and... Often what happens is we take the love of God, we take his grace and his forgiveness, and we throw it on the ground. We stamp on it. We make a mockery of God sometimes with the way that we sin. And we turn away from him and we treat him badly. And as this sin builds up, it gets bigger and the burden becomes unmanageable. Imagine that, not just in your life, but in all of humanity for all time. That's a big burden, right? That's a lot of sin. That's a, that's a lot of slip-ups, mistakes. That's a lot of intentional decisions to turn away from God. We have a habit of getting it wrong. In the Old Testament, 
you can read so many stories of people who get it wrong. One minute, they are in perfect relationship with God. They are as happy as can be. They're at the mountaintop experience. They're loving their relationship with God. And before they can even go into the next sentence, it's like, oh yeah, they've turned away from God again. And everyone's like, oh, what's going on? Right? Humanity makes mistakes. The Old Testament has so many examples of that. And, and what would happen often is that these people would put a sacrifice to God, whether that be an animal that they would kill to take the burden of their sin to make them right with God, or maybe they would banish an animal from their community. They'd, they'd send out into the wilderness. Have you ever heard of the term scapegoat? Someone takes the punishment for someone else. See, the reason that we see a lot of that in the Old Testament is because sin is too much for us to bear, and it's always costly. And then these people would get it wrong, make it right with God, and then they'd do it again. Rinse and repeat. Do it again, and again, and again. And just like the people that we read about in the Old Testament, it happens with us today. We can't remove the burden ourselves because we're bound to get it wrong again. We're just not, you know, we're not perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Put your hand down. (laughs) There must be another way, right? Must be another way. See, Jesus came into a world that carried such a big burden of sin. The Godhead, it's almost like they have a conversation. and like, you know what, we need to deal with this. And Jesus takes center stage and he says, right, here we go. I'm going to deal with this. Jesus comes into this world with, with such a burden of sin, one that we can't carry on our own. And for generations upon generations, God's people have made such a mess. They would worship God and then they would turn away and they would go to God and they would turn away. And we're just like that. See, when we sin... When we choose not to follow God, when we choose our own agenda, what we do is we create a debt for ourselves that we can't pay back. The burden of our sin gets bigger and bigger. It's too big. We can't deal with it. So Jesus, blameless and sinless, goes to the cross on our behalf. It's the meeting point between God's endless love for us and his hatred of sin. And they meet in the middle at the cross. And Jesus deals with sin. He takes our burdens knowing that we can't do it on our own. He takes our debt. And as he breathes his last, he says, it is finished. So Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished is the final word over our sin. Jesus didn't say it will be finished. Jesus didn't say it might be finished. Jesus didn't say, one day it will be finished. He says, it is finished. Now, I'm not the the smartest guy in the room, okay? But when someone says, it is finished, that makes me feel like, okay, it's done, and there's nothing that can change that. It is finished. Now, in our lives, we have to get to a point where we realize that we're carrying a burden of sin that is too big for us to pay back. No loan or special deal will help us, not even if we work harder or be more religious or read our Bible more or pray more or go to more church meetings. 
Because Jesus comes into our lives and, he, and when we can't pay the debt ourselves, which is every time, and I repeat this over you right now, it is finished. It is finished. Do you know what that really means? The debt that you owe is dealt with. Your sin is forgiven. Your slate is clean. Your burden is carried and cared for. Your pathway to God is wide open. The sin's hold over you is finished. Jesus says so. There's nothing that you can do now to take you away from God's love. Because Jesus dealt with all sin. Your sin, my sin, and there's a lot of it. And he says, it is finished. And now this morning in your life, I dare you to believe that. I really dare you to believe that your sin is dealt with. Because God's love for you and the way that he dislikes sin is so massive that he would make a way for you on the cross, that he would carry your burden, that he would call you forgiven. Can I tell you a story? Story time with Sam. I had a car, my first car, when I was 17. I called him Kevin. Who said Ke- See, my young people listen to me, right? Um, I had a car called Kevin. It was a little red thing. He wasn't very good. Um, now, my car failed its MOT a few years in, like, badly, to the point where it would cost me more to fix the car than I actually spent buying the car. And you know at that point you think, I need a new car. So I, I came to that conclusion, and at the time I was a student, and uh, who, who knows that students have too much money? No? Okay. So as a student with with clearly an abundance of cash, I went to a, a car dealership and I took out a car on finance. Now, it wasn't a new car. It, it wasn't a lot of money in the grand scheme of cars. It was quite a cheap one. It was the cheapest one that I could possibly find. Um, but it was a lot of money for me. The car was fine. Like, it, it, was, it was fine. Someone else could have driven it and it'd be okay. But it wasn't suitable to what I needed. But it got to the point where like, I needed more for my car. Like it had the smallest engine, and I was on the motorway every day, and, and like I needed to carry like often like a keyboard in the back of it, and, it's a, and the keyboard didn't fit. If you were to put the keyboard across the back seats, it'd go out both windows, right? It was that small, and and this car was causing me some real problems because I literally couldn't do anything that I needed to do in this car. So I owed money on the car, and there's literally no way of me getting out of this debt other than paying it off. Like I. I it would be stupid of me to take another loan to buy a better car and you know, try and get rid of that one because then I'd still be in debt and that's not what I wanted because I'm a student and I've got no money. So on a whim, I prayed about it. And uh, I asked God to deal with my car situation like, Jesus, I'm really sorry. Uh, please could you deal with my car because I can't do it myself. Um, and I forgot about it. It was almost like a jokey prayer. Like seriously, I didn't mean it. I really didn't mean it. And two weeks later, completely forgot about what happened, and I was sat at the Tesco roundabout in my car waiting for a gap in the traffic to move and smash. Someone in a very nice Mercedes smashes straight through the back of my car. And it hurt quite a bit, all right? It really hurt. But someone wrote my car off within two weeks of me praying that God would sort out my debt. It wasn't the way I expected it. Just, just like I'm not, I'm not saying pray for a car crash. Please don't do that. I never said that. Okay, but the insurance company of the other driver sorted it out even before I could be on the phone to my insurance company. The person um, who who drove into the back of me literally went home, called their insurance company, and they were really lovely. Um, and my debt was paid. Massive answer to prayer. Now, wouldn't it be silly if I realised that my car loan had been paid off? 
for me to still pay my monthly instalment to the person that I owe the debt to. Wouldn't it be silly? But we do that with our sin all the time. We give authority to our sin that's already dealt with. How, how many times do you hear about the forgiveness of Jesus and then you still feel guilty about the things that you've done, the things that you've said, the decisions that you've made that you're not proud of? I do it all the time. We're just going to uh, ask the band to come up and start to play softly. See, this is the thing. We've got to be people that let go. I was on a Zoom call a few months ago, and um, I was talking to a friend who was in the room who was, we were just talking about how I wasn't interested in what was going on on the Zoom call, and I didn't have the mute button on. Um, it was a bad day. Um, and... And there was this sinking feeling when the room went silent and then someone said, Sam, are you all right? And I'm like, mm, I'm really sorry, right? Now, if I didn't bring that up, and luckily no one was on that call um, in this room, it wasn't anything to do with new life, I promise. Um, now, if I didn't bring up that call, no one else would remember it. But I latch onto those silly little things that make me look stupid. Maybe we do that with our sin where we've done something it's dealt with you're forgiven but you hold on to it and you let it haunt you we let it stay with us see here's a question I've got for you what sin are you holding on to that Jesus already paid the price for what are you holding on to that Jesus already paid the price for because I want you to know today that Jesus has covered your burdens. He's got no authority over you. Maybe you still feel guilty about the thing that you did or that thing that you said to someone. Or maybe that thing that happened to you. Maybe you feel ashamed. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve anything better. And you punish yourself for your past. I know I do. So what pain are you holding on to? Because Jesus paid that debt. He's paid the price for your sin. He's removed the burden. There's no debt. You've got full permission this morning to let go of the thing that's been holding you back. All the things. The many things. Maybe it's the lifestyle that we're living. Maybe it's the things that we've got seriously wrong. The way that we talk about that person or that group of people. Maybe it's the way that we feel. The pain that we're holding on to. Because I've got good news for you. Even if you're in a moment right now where you think, I'm still bound by this sin. I'm still bound by this. I'm still doing it. This is what the Bible says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person. <laughs> someone might perhaps be willing to die for someone who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus' death on the cross is nothing to do with how good we are. It's nothing to do with our level of holiness. It's nothing to do with our level of perfection. Because his love for you outweighs anything that tries to hold you down. finished. 
you have full permission to let go of whatever's been holding you back because Jesus has already dealt with it. Your sin is forgiven. You're blameless before God. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.